and welcome to this week's podcast. This is Josh Carlson with Hilltop Community Church, and I just want to say we're really glad that you joined us today. If you're new to the church, make sure to visit us online at hilltopchurchnv.com and fill out one of the online connection cards. We'd love to get connected with you and just say hello. While you're there, you can also find out more information about the church, get connected with Bible studies, submit prayer requests, and even find other sermons on the website as well. Now, make sure that you have your coffee, have your Bible, and your notepad ready to go, because we're about to get started with today's message. Uh, Micah mentioned that it's hard to imagine in his generation, I say his because he's so much younger than me, um, but it's hard to imagine someone in his generation kind of view, being able to view the sacrifice. Um, I have several friends that, uh, that served in Iraq and Afghanistan and have come back. I ran into one of them recently, a guy that I grew up playing Little League Baseball. His dad was my coach and uh, kind of bumped into him as he was back in town to see his mom. And uh, I said, you, you signed up and went over to Iraq. And he said, yeah, I served in Iraq and Afghanistan. And he shared some of the stories of uh, IEDs going off, and he survived those. But some of the men that were with him did not. And so there's, there's men and women in every generation um, that give, right? Sorry, didn't mean to get choked up. That give so that we can be here and do things like this. We can, we can celebrate the freedom that is... Um, sharing God and his word. Um, this is one of the unique things that we have as Americans, the ability to gather, to go to God's word, to profess our faith openly. Um, our culture is moving away from God rapidly, but we still have this freedom. And so it's very important that we, uh, we make the most of it and that we would be lights to this world around us that share that gospel, um, making the most of the freedom that we have that's been given by many, many men and women. And so Memorial Day is a very serious thing. Uh, what we're going to look at today is a passage that's going to talk about warnings, okay? And so we're looking at, whoop, not that yet. We're looking at the second warning in, uh, in the book of Hebrews. The first one was not to drift away. This is the warning uh, to, to uh, not fall into unbelief. And so as I was thinking about warnings, I was considering making a few jokes about, you know, warnings that you're getting old. Uh, this morning, I, uh, I must have slept wrong because I woke up and my back is out. Um, so you may be in for a shorter sermon than normal. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you wake up, you sleep in the wrong position, and you wake up, your back's out. But there's, there's other warnings as well. And so I wanted to kind of start us off with a little bit of humor. And so here, here's a warning. I'm not exactly sure what it's trying to tell us. I don't know. I kind of want that guy to be Captain Hook, but um, that's just me. Um, here's another one. This, this property has an old dog, a young dog, and several stupid dogs, so please drive slowly. Um, slow church services. I'm not sure what it's trying to communicate there, but either slow down or be ready for a slow church service. I don't know. Uh, this one I've considered hanging in our house. No drama. Violators will get slapped. I think that one might need to go in the kitchen. Um, and then this one really cracked me up. Please be safe. Don't stand, sit, or climb near zoo fences. If you fall in, animals could eat you, and that might make them sick. Thank you. You're not on the approved diet. 
But the book of Hebrews here, what it's going to do for us is it's going to give us the second warning, and this one is against unbelief. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, and this is a warning to followers of Jesus Christ that we could live in unbelief. Um, And so we're going to look at that. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you are living in unbelief and you will not experience peace or rest until you trust in him as your Lord and Savior. You cannot enter into God's rest without believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Be at peace with God. I implore you, if you haven't made this decision, listen to me. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He was raised from the dead to give you new life. He's calling you to trust in his death, burial, and resurrection to cover your sins once and for all, to wash them away way and to give you new life. If you haven't made that decision, I pray today would be the day that you choose to follow Jesus Christ. Uh, That said, let me pray and we'll look at these verses. Father, we do pray that your word would speak to each and every one of us today, Um, that you would be impacting our hearts and our minds and our decision making, and that you would give us a new set of desires, one that doesn't match the old life but is brand new. A set of desires that is in line with how your son lived. To love and to serve, to warn those who were in unbelief, to guide towards righteousness, to, to practice holiness, to, to be people who live in relationship with their father, and that changes everything that they do. Help us to trust that you are with us and you are for us. That's, that's really the, the mark of unbelief is saying that we don't believe that you're with us and we don't believe that you're for us. But you are. You are with us and you are for us. Help us to understand that in a deeper way today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we go. He kicks this off and he says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and I have that underlined, the Holy Spirit says, because in chapter 1, we were told that we've been spoken to through the Son. In chapter 2, we were told that we've been spoken to by the Father. And here in chapter 3, uh, he's saying that the Holy Spirit is speaking through Psalm 95. I could give a whole sermon on inspiration. I, I won't do that, but the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, moving through individual people. And so David wrote this Psalm, but the Holy Holy Spirit wrote this psalm through David. Okay, and so he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. If you go back to Psalm 95, the wilderness is in the Old Testament is the word Meribah. I'll tell you what that means in a moment. Where your ancestors tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation and said they will always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. And so this story is of the Exodus. The Jewish people are enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. God powerfully works through Moses and 10 plagues to get the Pharaoh's attention. And then finally, in the last plague, uh, the angel of death passes over the house of the Jewish people, but not of the Egyptian people. And the firstborn in every house dies. And so then Pharaoh lets the Jewish people go. And Moses guides them out across the Red Sea and into the wilderness. What he's leading them to is what the Jewish people would call the promised land. The land was promised 
promised to them through uh, God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that the promise was not going to fail, but they would inhabit this land. And though they've been gone for 400 years, God is bringing them back to this land to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham and his descendants. And so God is working in doing this. He's bringing them back to that place, and they're, they're grumbling. They're fighting with God, and that's where we get this word Meribah. It means strife or contention. And so this is the place where the Israelites, they complained against God and tested him. And this is the test that they said. They said, is the Lord among us or not? That's the real test. That's the real statement of unbelief. Is the Lord among us or not? And their statement essentially was that they didn't believe he was. Now, how they could believe that is bonkers, right? Because they had taken the blood of a lamb, a spotless lamb, and put it on the doorpost of their house, and the angel of death passed over their house, but everybody else who didn't have that, the firstborn, died. And so Pharaoh lets them go. They see the Red Sea parted. They get to the other side. They're being led by a a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke. God's presence is tangible and real among them. Uh, He's giving them food and water and manna and quail. He's doing all these things for them, but it's not enough. And so they say, is the Lord among us or not? And really what they're complaining about is God isn't doing this the way we think he should. And so he's not doing this the way that we want it done. And so God responds and he demonstrates his holiness by providing water from a rock. Uh, First occasion, Moses does this the right way and God honors it. The second occasion, Moses does this in his anger. And it actually costs Aaron, Moses, and the entire generation. They did not enter the promised land because they quarreled with God and rebelled against his commands at Meribah. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 27. Uh, This story is referenced three times in the Psalms. Psalm 81, 95, and 106. It's a call to obedience, a warning, and an example of what unfaithfulness to God looks like. And so this is the warning that's actually been been given to us as followers of Jesus Christ. He's saying, be careful that you're not living in this way. Is the Lord among us or not? Is he really in my life? Is he really with me? Is he really for me? He's not answering my prayers the way that I want them answered. He's not giving me things that I want in the timing that I believe it should take place. He's not doing this in this other person's life, and I believe that he should do it, and and, and he should do it now, right? I believe that our country should be different. I believe that our economy should be different. I believe that our leadership should be different. I believe that, right, all these things that you might say, is he really with us and for us based upon what I'm seeing around us? And that is the example of unfaithfulness that's given here, a call, a warning, a call to obedience. So they wandered for 40 years, the Jewish people, and we know that over a million Israelites were redeemed out of bondage in Egypt by the blood of firstborn spotless lambs. That's the story of the the Passover and the Exodus in Exodus chapters 11 through 13. They were led away from the embodiment of demonic leadership, worship, and culture as they left Egypt. This is what they get to leave, right? And so... Within the scriptures, when we see pagan deities, we understand that the pagan deity behind it, though it's just a lifeless idol, behind the lifeless idol is a satanic being. And so when people worshipped Baal or uh, one of the Egyptian gods or Molech or Ishtar or one of these Mesopotamian gods, they weren't worshipping a lifeless idol. They were worshipping the demonic being behind it. And so they're called out of this. They're led away from this demonic leadership, this worship, and this culture in Egypt. 
They're freed from that captivity and they're, uh, they're, they're redeemed by the blood of a lamb. Uh, they're called out as God's own people. He, he, he justifies them. He sanctifies them and makes us his own people. He promises that he's going to share his glory with them and that they would be his light to the nations. Yet they cry out in the wilderness that it would be better to go back to Egypt than follow Yahweh through his appointed leader, Moses. Yahweh is God's Old Testament name, Jehovah, Jehovah or Yahweh, however you want to say it. Uh, but they don't want what God wants. And so it's interesting, their feet are on holy ground as God leads them to the promised land, but their heart returns to their bondage and their sin. They're living in the presence of God. Later on, he would set up the tabernacle and there would be this place that was quite obviously God's dwelling place among them. They were, they were made clean through the sacrificial system and they were given access to God through the priesthood. But what they wanted to do was return to their old lifestyle, their old ways, their old bondage and sin. And this is the warning to us as Christians is we can do the same thing. You see, because as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been washed by the blood of the lamb. You have been cleansed by the lamb of God. You've been forgiven and justified and redeemed and you belong to him. You're sanctified and made a holy one and day by day, bit by bit, God is transforming you into the image of his son. And we are the vessels of his glory as the Holy Spirit lives in us. And the power of sin is being overcome. But the presence of sin, the future new heavens and new earth, sin will be done away with once and for all. And so that's who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. If you're not a follower of Jesus, that's what God is offering you today. Would you, be li would you like to be justified, forgiven, and cleansed? Would you like to be a part of God's family? Would you like to share in his unique character and glory? He wants to give you all that through what Jesus has done. He's saying believe in his son and you can have him and all that it is to be one with him. But as Christians, we can do this same thing where we say, but I long for my old life. I, I want to go back to, you know, the, the sin is alluring. And so we find ourselves maybe traveling back into that place of sin rather than remaining steadfast in God. And ultimately what he's saying is that's a, that's a manifestation of unbelief. We don't believe that God is good enough. We don't believe that life is truly found in his son. We don't believe that following his ways are truly best. If we did, we would do it, right? If you truly believe it, you'll pursue it. If you truly believe in him, you'll pursue him. And that's what he's saying here. Peter talks about this in 2 Peter, and he describes believers as those who could, like a dog, return to their vomit, or like a pig that was washed off, go wallow in the mud again. And that's what the Israelites longed to do as God took them out of their bondage and sin. They wanted to go back. And the result was that they died in the wilderness without ever inheriting the land. Numbers 14 says that there were 10 times that they challenged God and fought against him. 10 times that they rebelled against his leadership in their life and said they would rather go back. And so he says, fine, if you don't want me, then you don't get what I have. And so they don't enter the promised land. Instead, their bodies fall in the wilderness. Millions were redeemed, over a million were redeemed, but two, Joshua and Caleb, inherited. So here is the warning. Watch out. Brothers and sisters, brethren, followers of Jesus Christ, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. 
He says, Christian, listen to me. Don't let evil, unbelief in your desires turn you away from the living God. The word evil within the scriptures, the idea is to do something against God and harm others. That's evil. If you're against God, you will harm others. And so when we act as though the old life of bondage and sin is the right place to be, it is against God, it is evil. And when we practice things that are outside of what God would lead us to, we hurt others. This happens during the Exodus, right? Moses is on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. What's everybody else doing? They build the golden calf, the Baal, the first Baal. And they, they, they sacrifice to it and they practice debauchery and sexual immorality and all these acts around it. And so they give themselves away f- from God back to the old gods and they practice things that are out of line with God. We can do the same things as Christians. We can be a, against what he's calling us to. We can live in line with the world around us and do practices that harm him and others. And so he says, don't do that, but instead encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. And that word encourage, it can mean one of two things. It could be to gently come alongside someone and say, hey, we don't want to do this anymore. Um, this is a bad action that's going on in your life. Uh, you're actually, you're grieving the Holy Spirit, you're quenching his voice in your life, and you're living in line with your flesh and the world around you rather than following God's word. And I, I don't want you to do that. It could also mean a kick in the pants. Hey, stop it. You're harming God's name. You're hurting his church. Knock it off, right? That's what that, it, that word encourage could take on both of those. It could be the gentle come alongside. It could be a little bit more aggressive in your face as well. Um, the word gentleness within the scriptures is strength under control. And so strength under control, sometimes it's, it doesn't always mean a meek posture, Sometimes we need to take a more serious posture with our, with our, with our fellow Christians and say, let's not do this. We're, we're hurting, you're hurting each other. We don't want to do that anymore. So encourage one another daily while it's still called today. And the, the idea there is that until Christ returns and we live in this age, don't stop doing this. We have to keep encouraging one another so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. And that's what sin is. It is deceptive. It makes us believe that there is better and more away from God than with God, right? It makes us believe that God is not with us or for us. He says, as is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. Don't fall into that, but instead we become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. In other words, your faith continues, The moment of belief in Jesus Christ is a lifetime of belief in Jesus Christ. It's it's not something that you did one time in the past. It's something that we're doing now, today, tomorrow, and until he returns, right? We maintain the faith, the biblical faith in Jesus Christ. But he says, watch out. Don't, Don't do this. 
And so what kind of heart is developing in me and you? The question is asked of brothers and sisters, justified followers of Jesus Christ. The redeemed are challenged to evaluate whether their desires and behaviors demonstrate that God is with them or that they believe God is unconcerned with them. And here's the real challenge. Is there an area in my life, is there an area in your life where your desires and your behaviors demonstrate that you believe God is unconcerned with you? Is he, is he not providing enough? Is he not, is he not moving fast enough? Um, did he tell you no? Is God allowed to tell you no? If he's not, he's not God. Some, something else is. God has to be allowed to tell us no. He has to be allowed to tell us wait not now. And if you believe if he tells you no or wait that he's not good, that's the not good in you coming out. And so though, the, the, though God has purchased you with the blood of his firstborn, one and only son, Jesus, do you long to return to the bondage of sin that you were saved from? Do the patterns of your flesh sound more interesting than the fruit of the Spirit? Does lust sound better than self-control? Does greed sound better than stewardship? Does anger and hurtful words sound better than righteousness and reconciliation? And if you have any question that this can happen to a follower of Jesus, look at what he says here. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And so there's this word rest. And this word rest within the scriptures has the idea of peace. You think about the seven days of creation. Uh, God works for seven and on the, or for six, and on the seventh he rests and he causes people to do the same. Uh, we know that that's actually, uh, that of the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath is the only one that's not repeated in the New Testament. And here's why. Because when you come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, you are at rest with God all of the time. At least we should live at rest with God all of the time. And so that's what he's kind of talking about is to the degree to which we experience rest in our salvation as Christians. Um, though it's true, we can choose not to experience it. And so this rest, when we talk about it, what's being spoken of here? Is he talking about losing salvation? They weren't able to enter his rest. Is this talking about losing salvation? No, we're justified and redeemed by the blood of the lamb and nothing can change that. The penalty of sin is finished and paid for, right? It's over with, it's done. The penalty of sin is, is finished. And so there's, I didn't do anything to become justified and I don't do anything to stay justified. It's all dependent upon what Christ has done for me in the past. It's his one-time past action that makes me right with God. 
And so when you think about the word salvation, think it about it in these three terms, justified, made right with God, sanctified, being changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ, and glorified, something future to which we await in the new heavens and the new earth. Right? Justified has to do with the penalty of sin. Sanctified has to do with the power of sin. And glorified has to do with the presence of sin. Okay? And so uh, the, the, the penalty of sin is finished. It's paid in full. Is he talking about the loss of sanctification? The answer here is no. While we can work with or against God in the process of being conformed to the image of his son, the finality of that is guaranteed by God in the eternal state or heaven. We talked about this in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, that only those who are fully sanctified will be a part of the new heavens and the new earth. And that's not something that we do or earn. It's something that's given to us by grace. We're not gonna die and go to purgatory and work it off and then get in. We're, we're in based upon what Christ does on our behalf. But the power of sin can hold us in this life dependent on our, upon our choice to be filled with the Holy Spirit or quenching his voice in our life. When you look at the scriptures, there's a handful of things that we can do with our interaction with the Holy Spirit. The first one is to be filled. The idea of it is uh, the way that it's written in Ephesians chapter five is to continually be filled. Right? Not like one time I, I, I got filled up and then I hope it lasts, but continually be filled. The idea is like a sponge, right? You, whatever you put the sponge in, it soaks it up. And so if you are a sponge, and we are, if you and I are sponges and we put ourselves in the world, we're going to soak up the ways of the world. And when we get squeezed, the ways of the world will come out of us. If we insert ourselves into God's word and we're following the Holy Spirit, we're going to soak up his life and when we get squeezed, his fruit of the spirit, his way of life, his character will come out of us. And so we can be filled. The other thing we can do is quench. We can hear the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you're soaking up the world. Your thinking is off. The way you're treating your spouse is wrong. Your interactions with your coworkers is wrong. The way you're handling your money is wrong. You're turning to drugs and alcohol for, for, for relief instead of coming to me. You're turning, your, like all the things that we could do. The Holy Spirit could whisper these things in your ear and say, repent and correct. And you can go, no. And quench him, put him out. That's, that's, that's a choice that you can make as an individual believer. You can say no. God could even bring someone alongside you, a fellow Christian, and say, I'm seeing this pattern and behavior in your life, and I'm pretty sure it's something that God is calling you to stop, and you're going, no, I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to listen to God's word. I don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit, and you can quench the voice of God in your life. The scriptures say that when we quench his voice, we grieve his heart. And the, way, the reason we, we grieve his heart is because like a parent who knows what's best for their child and you're trying to guide them to do it and they ignore you and do the thing that harms themselves and others instead, that's grieving to us as parents. It hurts our heart to see our children hurt themselves and others. In the same way, we can do that to God. And so it's not that we can lose our sanctification because it's not dependent upon us in the end. However, we can hinder the growth process by allowing God to, by, by not allowing God to fill us and guide us, okay? And so it's not the loss of the sanctification, but the power of sin can hold us if we allow it to, if we don't submit to God's leading. 
Is this a loss of glorification? And so the answer here is no. All justified by the work of Jesus will inhabit the new new heaven and earth in final glory. However, entering and inheriting are not the same thing. And listen to me, heaven is not a perfect communist nation, okay? That's not what heaven is. It's not a place where we go and everyone has the same and experiences the same. I think a lot of people view heaven that way, that we're all going to get there and we're all going to have the same and we're all going to experience the same. The scriptures do not teach that. And what the scriptures do teach is that everyone is going to have a various level of rewards given based upon faithfulness in this life. And so the way that I live my life today determines the level of reward that God is going to give me in the new heaven and the new earth. We're not all going to get there and live in that horrible, sterile communist block that I've seen in the Czech Republic, right? That's not what it is. But we do see that there are crowns given. There are five listed in the New Testament. There's probably others. But five that are listed. The victor's crown, uh, that's given to those who focus on eternal values. These are people who see what they have temporally, like our time, our possessions, our money, the gifts and abilities that God has given us. All the things that we have here on earth, the temporal things that we have, we, we view those as things that we can use for eternal values, for what lasts forever. Right? So instead of my money being for me so that I can have the best and most, my money is a gift given from God so that I can bless those around me. Instead of my time being about a me-centered, selfish-focused thing, my time is given to me so that I can be Christ's representative on the earth, love my wife, love my children, care for my church, be involved in my community. My time is actually a gift from God to be stewarded for eternity. My relationships are the same thing. I don't enter relationships in order to get something from someone else. I enter relationships fully freed by Christ and filled by him so that I can give in relationships. The crown of rejoicing is for those who practice evangelism. Um, Those who, their heart's desire is to see the lost saved. And they, they leverage what they have in order for the gospel to move forward. The crown of righteousness is for those who, 2 Timothy 4, 8 there says, who loved his appearing. The idea here is that those who cannot wait for Christ's return and they long for his kingdom in, his, in their lives now. Um, that's the idea there. I, I just, the idea of Christ returning, ruling and reigning is, I can't wait I long for him to come back, but in the meantime, I really want his kingdom present in my heart and my life right now. The crown of life is, those, is given to those who are persecuted or martyred. Um, I mentioned that we, we enjoy the freedom of standing here, putting it on YouTube, blasting it out anywhere that we want to, that Jesus Christ saves, that there's no other name under heaven by which anyone can be saved. Uh, that the word of God is the way, the truth, and the life because the word of God is Jesus Christ and he has given us freedom and purchase. Like, I can share with you anything I want from the scripture freely and nobody's gonna stop me. But if you go to Afghanistan, that's not the same thing. You go to China, that's not the same thing. There are those who are being persecuted and losing their lives for the boldness to share their faith and they'll receive this crown of life. The crown of glory, 1 Peter chapter 5 talks about elders, faithful shepherds, and teachers. It's not so much about the title, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, can you think of someone that God has given to you to guide in truth? 
You have a relationship with this person, and, and God has put you in a position where you can guide them in truth. And so you shepherd them. Uh, you're showing them the ways of Christ. You're giving them the teachings of the scriptures. Um, there are many people who don't have any title within a church that are doing this uh, in powerful ways. And so glorification isn't something that we can lose, but it is different based upon how we live our lives. And so as you think about sort of wrapping this up, rest is used in the Bible to communicate safety, securing, like, like God has me and I have him through Jesus Christ. Um, I have entered into God's rest. It is secure. The level to which I experience it may vary based upon the choices that I make, but I have entered God's rest. And salvation, and again, when we talk about salvation, think justified, the penalty of sin is done away. Sanctified, the power of sin is overcome in your life right now. Glorified, the presence of sin will be removed in the future. And so one cannot experience rest while disbelieving that God is with and for them. So are you going through a period of life where you don't experience rest or peace? Are you up all night? Are you having bad dreams? Are you anxious? Are you overwhelmed? Is God with and for you? Is he with you and is he for you? And if you're not experienced the outcome that you believe should happen, are you okay with God telling you to wait? Are you willing to hear him say no? Because we have to believe that in the end, if he says wait or no, that's what's best for me. That's what's best for you. And so what kind of heart is developing in you? What kind of heart is developing in me? Are my desires and my beliefs, are they following in line with what Christ has revealed? Am I, am I headed in a different direction? Do I believe that God is with and for me? That's a question we should allow the Holy Spirit to search us and ask. Heavenly Father, as we enter into a time of remembering what your Son has done for us, I'll ask for each person in the room that right now in the quietness of their own mind, their own heart, and their own decision-making processes, that they would invite the Holy Spirit in. And that they would say, search me and show me, God, if there's an area of unbelief in my life. And Father, then with whatever this area of unbelief may be, would they say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I trust in your goodness. Help me to believe in it even when the answer is wait or no. 
Father, allow us to encourage one another each day until your return. Thank you that your son Jesus has justified me and my sins are paid for in full through his blood on the cross. Thank you that your son Jesus rose from the dead and in doing so he gave me new life and made me a holy one, one set apart to be filled with and guided by your spirit. Father, guide me to be filled each and every day. I don't want to quench your voice. I don't want to grieve your heart. I want to allow you to lead me. Father, will you overcome my anxious thoughts? Will you allow me to cast my anxiety on you? Because I know that you care for me. Remember what your son has done now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you to continue taking steps towards seeking and understanding God's truth. The dream is that Hilltop is a home for the growing family of God, and we're so glad that you are a part of the family.